one of those times um, when God has done an incredible job through the Holy Spirit orchestrating um, the worship time. Tiffany, awesome, wonderful song. Fits so well with the message. Love is so powerful. But unfortunately, it's one of those things we just we don't get a hold of. We're, we're going to start a series today entitled The Gift. And the subtag is that keeps on giving, but it's the gift. And the next five weeks, we're going to look at five different areas in God's word that talks about the marvelous gifts that he gives. And love is the first one. Um, the marvelous gift of God's love is just, just incredible. And we have tried to find ways to describe it, to, to, to get a hold of it, to put our arms around it. Y'all know when you're a little kid and you used to sing that song, Deep and Wide. You know, deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. And, and you know, teachers in, in our era when I was growing up, like in the early 60s, were very sadistic. And what they would do is, is they would make it hard on you. And so I would go to Sunday school, and they knew, they probably knew even then, Brent, I had no coordination. And so what they would say is, okay, kids, now instead of staying deep and wide, we're going to say, mm, and wide. You know, so we're going, you know, see, I can't do it now. (laughs) Mm, and wide, mm, and wide. And then, and then they'd go, okay, now we're going to leave out both words, just go, Mmm and mmm, mmm and mmm, there's a fountain flowing. And then they go, okay, now they've got the word fountain, so you're mmm and mmm, mmm and mmm, there's a mmm, 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 mmm. And, you know, and, and so, and then, oh, they got even more sadistic. They didn't stop. Then they said, now let's do it faster. And you realize how many damaged children there are in Sunday school because of this? I, I mean, I am certain that any coordination I had died during Sunday school during those days. But it was an attempt to get our arms around because it's talking about that fountain is the incredible fountain of God's love. So today we want to jump off in Ephesians chapter 3. And even though your sermon sheet says verse 17, we're going to back up a couple of verses to verse 14. And then as time permits, we're going to jump right into John chapter 3 verse 16. But before we do that, why don't we just bow our heads. Let's pause and let's bow our heads one more time asking God to just... Reveal the incredibleness of its love to us today. All right, let's pray. God, you are so wonderful. When I sit through a worship service like this, it's just one of those times I go, okay, God, that's just another proof you're real. It's as if you directed the, every song that was selected. The team you assembled today in the absence of our worship leader was just incredible. And then for our sister who I spoke with last night and wasn't even sure she was going to be able to sing. And then you use her today to bring a beautiful, beautiful song about how important it is that we love and that we experience your love. God, the truth is, I know, and these people, most of us know, that there's a lot of hurting people in this building. Just talked to a gentleman back here who lost his dad just last night. One wife has a husband until it's still in ICU and spent Thanksgiving there. And it wasn't supposed to be that way, but that's the way it turned out. And there are kids that didn't come home when they were supposed to. And there are marriages that are hurting and breaking. And God, the the great ointment for that, the great medicine for that, that makes it all better, that doesn't take it all away, is this incredible thing called love. And, And it's your love lived out through our lives. So have your way today as we try to explain 
how deep and how wide your incredible love is. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to begin today in Ephesians chapter 3. And again, if you've got your sermon sheet, it goes to verse 17. But we're going to back up just a little bit because now the, the, the book of Ephesians was a letter. It really wasn't a book. It was a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus. Uh, speaking to them. And, and, you know, the church of Ephesus was one of those really, really good churches. It really was. And, and then we're going to hear what Paul's got to say or what he prays for this church. In verse 14, he says this. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And what a wonderful way to describe. Now, again, understand a lost person really can't call God Father, because that happens in relation through Jesus Christ. But the truth is, as creator, he is the originator of all life. And then he says this in verse 16, that he would grant you. Now, remember, he's speaking to Christians that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Now, just let those words about my commentary soak in that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might. Through his, holy, through his spirit in the inner man. May I read verse 16 again? That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. To be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Now this is not, this is not uh, you know, Vincent Pill trying to say you know, the po- power of positive thinking. This is how to win. This is not how to win, win friends and influence people. Um, this is not Thomas the train uh, going up the hill saying, I think I can. I think I can. Think positive. Think positive. This is nothing short than the miraculous prayer of God's spirit undergirding us. And strengthening us in our inner man. And I thought instantly, you know, about a tank. You know, a tank gets beat and battered on the outside. But if the armor is strong enough, the people in the, inside the tank are strengthened. That's probably what led Paul to, to write in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7-9. through 9. We had this treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. My brothers and sisters, I want you to grasp this wonderful truth today. That what Paul is speaking about, again, is nothing you generate. It is nothing that you have to come up with. This is God saying uh, through Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus. I'm just trying to tell you this, or to the church at Corinth. I'm trying to tell you that I am asking God to come in. And that even though we're perplexed, even though we're in despair, I'm asking God to come in and strengthen your inner man. So many of us today are battered and beat up. There's a world out there who beats on us. There are family members who beat on us. Often there are other believers who beat on us. The enemy beats on us. But Paul is praying that the inner man, not the outer man. The outer man is subject to circumstances. But the inner man may be strengthened by the power of God. That we may may be perplexed. But we will not go down. 
I think about uh, Psalm 37, 23 and 24. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his way. And even though he fall, he will not be utterly cast down. Because he is upheld by the strong arm of God. So sister who's saying, so brother here today, so friend here today, where your circumstances are beating you and beating you and beating you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, hear the prayer of Paul to the church at Ephesus. That you may be strengthened by God, not generated by you, as a gift. May you be strengthened in your inner man. Then he goes on and says this. In verse 17 he says this. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. The word dwell there in the, in the Greek means to be made at home. To made at home. There was a book written um, in 1954, the year I was born, by the way, in 1954, a little booklet entitled, My Heart, Christ Home. And in that booklet, the author describes that Christ would come into our lives and he would see our heart, our lives, as a house. And how he went to the dining room where appetites were being fed. And he saw that the appetites in the heart were wrong. There was appetites for the things of the world. It was, it was appetites for the lust of the pleasure. And that God would come in, Jesus would come into that room and take away all the false appetites. That really can't satisfy. Come on now. That really can't satisfy. Some of you have appetites for sexual pleasure outside the bonds of marriage. That won't satisfy. Some of you crave for things of, of the drug world and the alcohol world and that's your escape. That doesn't satisfy. Some of you seek power and prestige um, in our community or in your business or even in the church. That does not satisfy. He takes those appetites out and puts in the appetites that are pleasing to God. Of, of a servant heart. Of a loving heart. Of a merciful heart. Of a compassionate. And then God goes, Jesus walks into the other room according to the little booklet and goes into the library. And as he scans the bookshelves, it's filled with things that our minds do not need. And we are bombarded today like no other time in history with junk. With junk. It's on the internet. It's in the bookstores. It's on television. It's everywhere we go. Riding down the interstate. I hate the lion Den signs. In my prayer, I pray. You know, we pray for an old pink building to get destroyed. And it took a flood and a tornado. But God got it done. God got it done. We see the, the garbage in this world. And God wants to come into our lives and say, you don't need that. You don't need that. He wants to replace it with the things of his precious word. He comes into our living room of our life. And sees fellowships and relationships that are not right. And seeks to replace those with fellowships and relationships that should be. And the author goes on and says that as he does this, and as he goes to the closets, as he goes to the bedrooms, as he does his wonderful work of setting our house in order, it is then that Christ can be at home in our hearts. I'm going to tell you something. The reason so many 
Christ followers today. So many Christians, so many believers are dissatisfied in their faith. It's because Christ is not at home in your heart. Not saying you're not saved. Saying that He can't abide there. He can't dwell there because Christ won't abide with garbage. And we're the sufferers for that. We settle for God's second best and third best and fourth best and fifth best. But Paul says in this prayer, no, 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 that, that, you may, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, I love this. That you, let me tie in, if you'll look in the next verse 18, where it says, may be able to comprehend with all the saints. Notice it's you and everybody, you and all. That you being rooted and grounded in what? What did Tiffany think about? Love. Rooted and grounded. Not the three R's. Not the three R's. Oh, I'm not talking about reading, writing, and arithmetic. Not the three R's of religion, rules, and ritual. There's no joy and satisfaction in religion and rules and ritual. But may we be rooted and grounded in love. In love. This is just so important. And we miss it. Somehow we think if we, if we meet a certain amount of times a week, I talked about this in the Baptist Hour this morning, and if we, if we do certain things, if we keep a certain order in our life of, of religion and ritual and rules, that there's richness in that. No, 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 no. The richness is in the love of Jesus Christ. And when you start, and that's why this prayer is so important, when we begin understanding just how much He loves us, all that other stuff begins to pale. Things begin to pale. But, but unfortunately, we, Brent, we see God's love like the way we love. And how do we love? Man, you know, performance. If, if I do what you expect me to do, you love me. And if you do what I expect you to do, you love me. If my kids do what I expect them to do, then I give them my love. That is so foreign to God. God loves you perfectly. God loves you unconditionally. Nothing you can do can make God love you more. And nothing you do can make God love you less. You've got to believe that today as a Christ follower. Satan has fed us lies. And we brought the world's love. And tried to imitate God's love. And I'm grateful the world's love can never be like God's love. And you don't want it to be. You don't want it to be. So he says, may you be... Rooted, established, grounded, not in your religion, not in how well you keep a set of behaviors, not in how we do certain things every week, but in love. And And that's why it's important. Now watch, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints. Now let me ask you a question. First off, if you really understood and believed how much God loves you. And believe me, most believers don't. How would it change your life? Hey, husband, if you understood really how much God loved you and, and how he loved you, how would it impact your relationship with your wife? Would you cheat on her? Ladies, would you cheat on your husband? If you really understood how much God loved you, how would it, parents, how would that impact how you raise your kids? How, how, would it, how would it impact the way people see us on the job? 
in the community, students at school. May I propose to you today that if we truly were rooted and, rooted and grounded, as Paul says, in the love of God, it would radically change our world. I know you don't like what I just said, but is it truth? That's all that matters. It doesn't matter if you like it or not. Is it truth? Now, what would the church be like if not only we believe that, but in verse 18, that may be able to comprehend with all the saints? What if all the staff and all the deacons and all the Sunday school teachers and all the choir members and all the praise team and all the people who came and all the people in Sunday school classes honestly understood and believed that God loved them? How would that impact how we do church? You would not see one church split. You would not see one corner of gossip over here. You would not hear or see disdain when people say, did you hear about so-and-so? You know why? Because love and that stuff cannot coexist. And that's why Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. That's why this is such a powerful prayer for, for the people of God. That, that we might be rooted and grounded individually, but with all the saints. And like Jesus said, they will know you're my disciples by your love. If we want to win this world to Jesus Christ, we have got to learn to love and understand how God loves us. Because the more I under, listen, if I don't love me because I don't think God loves me, I'm going to have a hard time loving you. But when I start understanding how much God loves me, I can love myself. And don't worry, that's, that's biblical. It's in the Bible. Chances are I'm going to love my wife better. Come on now. I'm going to love my children better. I'm going to be a more lovable boss at the church. If I understand how much God loves me. Amen. I'm telling God. Listen, listen, listen. This is one of those things that preachers, this is all you've got is love. Honey, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. See, some of y'all come here wanting all this deep knowledge. Well, listen, get yourself a commentary and get your Bible and knowledge yourself to death. But for goodness sake, love one another. That's what matters to God. God, yeah. And this is where deep and wide comes in. You know, it's a biblical song. Sadistic as they went faster, but biblical. That you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ. Oh, he says that you may understand how wide. See, God's love is all-inclusive. We're going to see if we make it to John and we're going to make it for part of it. God's love is all-inclusive. God loves the African-American. Come on now. God loves the, the, the uh, Anglo-Saxons. God loves the Hispanics. God loves the Africans. God loves the, the Nicaraguans and the Haitians. God loves. God cares. That's how wide it is. God just doesn't say, if you're able to do a pretty good job of keeping whatever rules I throw your way, I love you. God loves. It's wide. It's long. Now, you understand something. Now, God loved me in a, in a way as a sinner. But on October 26, 1975, he started loving me as a child of his. 
A child. He loved me at the world before Christ, but on October 26, 1975, I trusted Jesus, and God loves me now as Father. Personally, He loves me. Now, you know when God's going to stop loving me? Oh, I, oh now, you're going to be like one of those preachers who mess up really big, Dwayne, and God's going to stop loving you. You don't understand the love of God. Let me tell you, let me tell you when God is going to stop loving me. Never. Never. Somewhere in my future, this heart's going to quit beating. Depends on how much pecan pie I eat, determines on when it's going to quit beating. But somewhere out there, there's a day of my death. Physically. Spiritually, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That means that the way He started loving me as Father doesn't stop at age whatever it is when my heart Quits beating. His love... Now, this is so good. Don't you miss this. His love continues right past the last heartbeat into eternity. Ten million zillion years from tonight, God will still love every one of His children. That's how long it is. That's how long it is. Now, listen... Don't you dare believe because you're in dire circumstances. Don't you believe because things are going hard. Don't you believe because you're in the dark of the night in your life. Don't you dare believe that God stopped loving you. He has not. He loves best in the dark. He loves best in difficult circumstances. It's just sometimes His love is more difficult to feel. But He never stops loving. How, how, how wide... How long? How deep? I just alluded to it. How deep? In my darkest valley, when I'm just down lower than a snake's belly, His love is there. And when I'm incredibly stupid, and I say something stupid or do something stupid, in other words, your pastor sins, and I'm sitting there, and I, all I can see is Dwayne the failure. You call yourself a Christian, and then you call yourself a pastor, and you do something stupid like say that. Did you know his love is there? He didn't say, when you get yourself straight, I'll love you again. Mark, his love is sufficient, just like his grace. Now, come on, y'all. Get a little bit excited about that. Come on now. Get a little excited. I See, some of us aren't quite where you are. I know some of y'all hadn't sinned in the last 30 minutes. <laughs> but some of us wrestle with it just a little bit. And I want you to know it's real good to know that His love is there in my darkest time. And then, every once in a while, I get it right. And I'm walking around going, yeah, Jesus, yay, come on with it now. And my greatest celebration, and my greatest elation, His love is there too. What's cool is though, His love is on this level when it's all inclusive. His love is on this level for all eternity. When I'm lower than a snake belly, His love is right here. And when I'm saying, shoot that thing, I got something right. Hmm. Notice I didn't go, his love is, come on now. How cool is that? 
And Paul says to the church at Ephesus, oh, may you be able to comprehend with all the saints. Hey, Ecclesia, with all the saints. That what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know, to know the love of Christ, which passes all understanding. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. That's a good song. But Paul wants to take you to a different level. He don't want you to know the love of Jesus because the Bible tells you so. He wants you to know the love of Jesus because you know so. Come on now. You know so. The word know there is not intellectual. The word know there is experience. I have experienced the love of God. And sometimes that happens in our worst failures. Sometimes it happens in the darkest hours. And we experience it. And we know. We know. We know that He loves us. And as we experience that, when you meet a friend who's doing stupid things, you can extend that love, Brent, the same way. You know, Tiffany said it. Maybe I can help someone who's going through what I'm going through. Amen, Tiffany. Good preaching. Because as we go through life, part of the sanctification process is to become like Christ and to love like Christ. The sanctification thing means being set apart, to be like Jesus. And Paul says that you may be able to understand this love of Christ which passes all knowledge. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. That you may be filled with the fullness of God. In other words, when you start understanding the love of God... And knowing by experience the love of God, you get the fullness of God. In other words, in other words, when you when you get the apple pie, they automatically throw in a dump of ice cream. Come on now. When you get one of Jeremy's pecan pies, he automatically just throws in the whipped cream. And when you start understanding the love of God and how deep and how wide and how high and how deep, when you start grasping that, you're going to get the fullness of God. You're going to get the whole boatload, folks. And you're going to start understanding about God's grace. And you're going to understand about God's mercy, about God's compassion, all these things of God that you so long for. Now, the question might become, it might have to be, so, so how do we... How do we go? How, how, how do we see that? How do we demonstrate that? Where do we go for that? Well, that's where John chapter 3 comes in. You know, it's so funny. John 3.16, of course, is the most familiar of all the verses in the Bible, probably, I would say. And, and, and yet there's more there. And, and because it's so familiar, we kind of gloss over it. But, but look what verse 14 says. He says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent... In the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And you go, huh? Numbers 21. And I won't take time to read it. But it goes something like this. You probably can identify with this. The children of Israel were out of Egypt. God had brought them out of Egypt. been slaved for, for a couple thousand years. Okay? They've been slaves for all this time. And now they're free. And so God, you know, parts the Red Sea, the whole nine yards. It's great. It's cool. And then they get out in the wilderness. And, and so they say, you know, why did you, talking to Moses, why did you and God 
bring us out of Egypt? I mean, you know, we had like leeks and onions deep there. Why did you bring us in this wilderness where there is no water and we hate this loathsome or gross or horrible bread? Now, you know what he's talking about? The manna. God said, as, my, as a demonstration of my love to you, I'm going to feed you every day. All you got to do is go pick it up. And it, and it tasted good, like, like honey wafers. But after a while, they said, we don't like this bread anymore. Anytime the, we don't like the blessing, God, we want a bigger blessing because the first blessing wasn't enough. Uh-huh. So God said, whoa, you don't like the manna? Well, see how you like this. Now, it was a correction. Not, not in anger. It was a correction to correct them. God sent fiery serpents. And if you got bit by the snake, your time was up. And so the people come and said, Whoa, whoa, whoa! We, have not, we should not have spoke against God. We have sinned. We should not have spoken against you, Moses. We've sinned. Would you go to God? And he did. And here's what verses number 8 says. Then the Lord said to Moses... Make a fiery serpent, set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, and so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. And then the scriptures in John say, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. It's faith. He says, just like the servant offered life, so the Son of Man is going to be lifted up. And he's going to offer life. And just like you had to believe, it made no sense. Brandon was a bronze serpent, for goodness sake. But God said, have y'all figured that out yet? When God says something, it makes it so. God said, if you will look in faith on the bronze serpent, you won't die. And God says... Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And if you will look upon my son beaten, slaughtered on a Roman cross. If you'll look at him in faith and believe, then you will be forgiven. Now what he says? That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's it. That's it. If you want to know God's love, Dwayne, I need to see God's love. Dwayne, when it gets really dark in my life, Dwayne, when it seems like God doesn't love me, give me something. There. There. The cross is the anchor of God's love. And when you're in your darkest valley, you look to that. And you remember that God loved you enough He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a Roman cross like that so you could be forgiven. The cross is the anchor of God's love. Now, if you know anything about anchors, it's a heavy weight, and you chunk it into the water. It only works if you attach it with a chain. Have you ever done that before? Son, throw the anchor out. Okay, Dad. Pew! Whoops. The anchor only works if it's attached with a chain. The cross is only the anchor if you're attached to the Christ of the cross. 
Now, the boat will float until the chain is drawn taut and go no further. Am I right? The anchor holds the boat. The Christ of the cross holds you. The storms, life, circumstances are under control of the Christ of the cross. The wind can blow, but the boat ain't going to go. Because the anchor holds. And Nita, wherever you are, that's your song. The anchor holds, though the ship is battered. Come on now. The anchor holds. See, the anchor's not your religion. The anchor's not your rules. The anchor's not your ritual. The anchor is God's grace through the cross, through His Son. That's what holds you. Now, here's what we do in our modern theology. We want to pull the anchor up and put Him in our boat. So the anchor goes where we want to go. The job of the anchor is not to go where you want to go. The job of the anchor is to keep you where you need to be. And when you put the anchor in your boat, you're going to end up in all kinds of things you don't want to be in. You're going to make some really bad decisions. You're going to make some really stupid decisions. And you're going to be the person that God never intends you to be. Put the anchor back in the water. Anchor yourself to the cross. The unmovable, the sustainable love of the Father demonstrated to the cross. Is this making sense? This is life-changing stuff. Life-changing stuff. Then he goes on and says, For God so loved the world. God so loved the world. By the way, you know why Lottie apart important? You want to know why we're not going to take that $45,000 and throw a big party? Or $51,000? If God really blesses. You know why we take 11.5% of every budget a dollar? And give it to, to mission causes. You know why this church gave over $300,000 to mission causes last year? You want to know why? You, you want to know why we got to go? Sometimes we say, why you got to go for? For God so loved the world. Six words is why we go. And the same love that I've got. Them people in Nicaragua and Haiti and Uganda and Mali and Niger. And wherever Matt and Bethany's going. They need to know. Come on now. They need to know. God so loved the world. That's why we got to go. He gave. He gave. He gave his only son. It wasn't like he had 14. He gave him to a cradle. Now, I need to tell you, it probably wasn't wood. It was probably stone. It was a feeding trough. And back those, they would, they would carve out stone and make a hole in it and that's how they fed the animals but he gave them to a cradle you understand God became flesh that God took on a human body now let me ask you something now y'all think see you think because he was God he had a perfect one I mean his hair may have fell out I know it's not that way in Sunday school rooms but we don't know when he stumped his toe it bled when, when, when he got up in the morning you know, and he slept on rocks that night. He kind of went, ah. God took on, come on now, come on, come on, come on. God took on a human body. And by the way, not for just 33 years, but for all eternity, Tracy. 
When you get up there, you're going, whatever Jesus looks like, you're going to still see him with a glorified body. Come on now. He gave his son. In 33 years, he walked on this earth. But then he gave him not only to a stone feeding trough, and not only to a human body with all its frailties, he gave him to the cross. To the cruelest death known to man. He gave him over to the wrath of God for the payment of sin. He gave him over to death where Jesus cried out and said, It is finished. That's how much God loves you. If you want a picture... If you ain't, when old Satan's whispering in your ear, saying you ain't worth nothing to God, God doesn't love you, you're nothing but a failure. You remember the cradle, and you remember the cross. That God gave that. It wasn't a plan gone bad. It wasn't a mob out of control. I think David mentioned this morning, Dave Nave. It was the plan of God before the foundation of the world was even laid. Now, how about that, folks? And that's just the start. Today's the first week. But if we could get a hold of this. Where's Tiffany at? Tiffany, remember how you said don't save love just for Christmas Day? If we get a hold of this, we won't. Every day would be Christmas Day. Wow. Every day would be Christmas Day. Every Sunday would be Easter. (laughs) We'd have we'd have to provide more chairs. Wow, that's how big this is. That's how big it is. Now, there there are two kinds of folks here today. There's some of you who have never experienced this. Never experienced this, and maybe you just like you know somebody invited you to your lunch today, or you just had to come to church, or maybe you know you know I was in church 21 years before I got saved, before I met Jesus. You know, so regardless. If you're saying, wait a minute, this is not what I've got. I've not experienced this grace factor. I, I thought that, yeah, I, got, I prayed a prayer and I got baptized, but I still thought I had to do it. No, Jesus, Jesus paid it all. It's finished. My friend Brent's going to be standing down front here. And man, we would love to tell you the rest of the story. You know, Paul Harvey used to say, I got the rest of the story. Well, we'd like to answer any questions you got and, and, and give you the opportunity to trust Jesus Christ as so many of us and then there's a whole bunch of us who've done that. And I, I really want to encourage you to hear what I said today. Now, I'm going to tell you, you want me to tell you a sad story? Do you have to end with a sad story? Well, I was supposed to tell you earlier and I forgot. It's the truth. You remember we talked about the church of Ephesus in the book of the Revelation? You remember that? This letter was written and 40 years had passed. How many years? Okay, 40 years, four decades have passed between the letter to the Ephesians and John's book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. And what was the main topic of this prayer? That you may know the love. 40 years later, Brent, do you know what Jesus said to the church at Ephesus? You forgot your first love. Forty years. 
And they went from being prayed that they may know and understand and comprehend this great love to Jesus looking the church in the eye going, you forgot your first love. Can I tell you the truth? Most churches today have. Oh, they meet there three times a week. And they have their offering and they sing their songs and they do their special music and they got programs. But most churches today have forgot their first love. And to those of us who are Christ followers, we need to return to the anchor. We need to return to good old John 3.16 that God so loved this world that He gave. And that whoever believes wouldn't perish, wouldn't go to hell but would have everlasting life, which is heaven. Best news ever. Best news ever. God, show us today your love. Would you bow your heads right there? God wants to do something today. Gosh, He wants to do something today. Please don't miss it. Don't write it off as another sermon grab a hold of it if you're here today without Christ I know those are churchy words but if you're here today and this has never been told to you before and you never acted on this truth of God's grace come see my friend Brent we won't twist your arm but we will tell you the rest of the details you might need to know to make a good decision about becoming a Christ follower a believer in Jesus Christ church don't miss this Here we are just, what, six weeks, five weeks from 2014. And I'm telling you, 2014 will be totally different if we believe this and understand this and grasp this. Sir, ma'am, you're about to give up on your family. You're about to give up on the marriage. This is a game changer. Counseling's good. God's love is better. It's a game changer. Students, you're fed up with your mom and dad. This is the game changer if you're a Christ follower. It's a game changer. Father, I love you today. And I'm in the boat with these guys because too often I just see myself how imperfect I am, God. And I think, how could you love me? And what makes perfect sense today becomes very difficult then. God, would you tattoo it on my heart? Would you burn it deep within me? How deep, how high, how wide, and how long is this perfect love of yours? And it belongs to every believer here. And you want to give it to every person here. What incredible, wondrous love is this? Oh, my soul. God, please, have your way in the hearts of your people today. May we walk out different than we came in. And Jesus, I want to pray this in your precious name.